welcome back, dear listeners. I told you that October was going to be a month of spirits, so today we're going to talk about Marjorie the Medium, Houdini's greatest foe in his quest to debunk psychics. Mina Crandon, maiden name Mina Stinson, was born in Canada in 1888 and moved to Boston when she was a teenager. She kind of drifted between jobs and worked as an actress, a secretary, and as a volunteer ambulance driver during World War I. Her life, to this point, was fairly mundane and firmly middle class. She got married and had a son with a grocer named Earl Rand. And here is where her story starts to get a little interesting. Now, if you listened to our episode on Houdini at the beginning of this month, you remember he died of appendicitis that was exacerbated after a punch to the gut. Well, in her 20s, Mina contracted appendicitis, but unlike Houdini, she went to the doctor. And her surgeon was Dr. Leroy Crandon. She recovered and later that year volunteered to be an ambulance driver. Who should be the head of the surgery at the hospital she worked at, but none other than Dr. Crandon. In an unusual move for the time, she filed for divorce from her husband. And then, within a few months of gaining her divorce, she and Dr. Crandon married. So we can just speculate on the nature of their relationship before then. When they married, Mina was about 30 and Dr. Crandon was in his 40s. Now I should note, because this is important to the story later, Mina was beautiful. She had large blue eyes and the waif-like body of a flapper. She also kept her blonde hair bobbed, which at the time was what all the it girls like Clara Bow did. Notice how in all of this biographical information up until now, there is no psychic phenomena of any kind in her life. This all changed, however, when one day Dr. Crandon read a book that mentioned table tipping. Table tipping is basically what you think of when you think of an old-timey seance. People sat around a table holding hands and the table would tip or move when spirits, which I say with air quotes, would manifest. Dr. Crandon had a death fixation, to put it mildly. So the idea that there was a possibility of communing with spirits was particularly exciting. Mina didn't really care and just kind of went along with his whims. He brought home a table exactly like the one he had read about and then invited over some of their friends. Now, Dr. Crandon was a wealthy surgeon and educator. He lived in the fashionable district of Boston and introduced Mina to the Boston aristocracy. At their first seance, which was something of a fun parlor trick at the time, nothing much was happening. Dr. Crandon really believed in this and was disappointed. Everyone else seemed a bit freaked out waiting to see what would happen. Then Mina, who was effusively charming, thought the whole thing was funny and decided to liven things up. The table began to shake despite the fact that all their hands were on the table, and each person removed their hands, and when it got to Mina, the table grew still, and this was somehow proof to Dr. Crandon that she was a medium. From there, they began holding regular seances for their friends and other true believers. In addition to the table tipping, Mina began to manifest otherworldly voices that seemed to come from the other side of the room. Bell boxes would ring. The Victrola would start and stop on its own. And people ate this up. I should note that the room was always dark and Dr. Crannon always, and this is important later, sat to Mina's left. As time went on, Mina became more theatrical. She would perform these seances wearing nothing more than her dressing gown and stockings, what she claimed was an effort to show that she was using nothing to produce these manifestations, but many speculate that her beauty and desirability were used to transfix the men who participated in these seances. Mina's word-of-mouth fame as a talented medium spread once Walter, 
the ghost of her dead brother who had been crushed to death in a train accident gruffly began to speak at her seances. Walter was witty and used coarse language. So of course, everyone thought he was legit because how could a lady ever speak that way? I swear to God, these people just turn on the light and treat women like people. Anyway, beginning in 1922, the magazine Scientific American began promoting a contest in which it would give $2,500 to a medium who could produce verifiable psychic results. They had a whole committee of investigators, and dear listeners, all the frauds and charlatans came out of the woodwork because $2,500 was serious money in the 1920s. Now, as we've talked about in several episodes now, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle was a raging spiritualist who even when told by people performing tricks that they were performing illusions, still believed that their abilities were supernatural. Dr. Crandon took his wife to Europe to show off her medium skills, and she ended up performing a stance for Doyle, who of course ate it up. He also took it a step further and recommended Mina to the Scientific American Committee. Now again, up to this point, she was only doing these seances at her house for friends, family, and people local to Boston. Once it was suggested that she become a public figure, she started going by the name Marjorie as a stage name to keep her privacy. Around this time, Houdini was taking his crusade against psychics on the road, performing lectures and demonstrations in which he would debunk their tricks. He was a natural choice for the Scientific American Committee, and when the organization asked him to be a part of it, he took it on happily. Doyle was furious because by this point their friendship had soured, and since he knew Houdini to be a skeptic, he didn't think Marjorie would get a fair shake. In fact, the other committee members had already began having seances with Marjorie and were impressed by her skills. Houdini found out that not only had they gone without him, but they were seriously considering giving her the prize. Houdini was like, oh, hell no, and arranged to have a sitting with her in July. So he gets there and realizes that the committee members who had been going to Marjorie without him not only were having these seances, they were also staying at the Crandon's house, were striking up friendships. One of them borrowed money from Dr. Crandon, and another one of them was obviously in love with Marjorie. So he walks into this situation like, guys, what are you doing? Houdini, being Houdini, did not believe for a second that Marjorie or Walter were legit and had a plan that is both genius and a bit insane. I guess that's a fine line. Houdini wrapped a super tight bandage around his leg for the entire day before the seance. By the time he took the bandage off his leg, it was sensitive and swollen. Keep that in your back pocket. He had read up about Marjorie's seances and knew that Dr. Crandon always sat to her left, so he was not shocked that he got seated to her right. The bell box usually sat at Marjorie's feet, which honestly, it was at her feet, and people wondered how it rang. I just cannot. So Houdini asked for it to be placed near his feet instead. So they start the seance, and Walter pipes up, of course, kind of mocking Houdini, who, as we talked about, was a very big deal at this point. Walter's voice would come out of this large megaphone that people would see flying across the room. The megaphone crashed right by Houdini. As everyone's leaving, the Crandons are really stoked because they think that they've impressed him. He gets outside and tells the rest of the committee members, I've got her. Fraud. All of it. You see, because his leg was super tender from bandaging it tightly, he could feel Marjorie using her legs and feet to hit the bell box. He also reached out his hands during the seance and found that she had balanced the megaphone on her head and used her body to throw it, which is how it came crashing down. 
there were a series of seances that Houdini attended. Even though they were foes, they were always cordial and friendly even. As the Scientific American competition dragged on into 1926, everyone was getting really tired of it. The newspapers ran headlines that Houdini was stumped on Marjorie, which enraged him because he knew she was a fraud, so he wrote pamphlets debunking this and continued on with his whole debunking tour by replicating her tricks in front of theater audiences. The Scientific American Committee ended up deciding not to award the prize money to Marjorie, so the spiritualists were pretty angry with Houdini. At one of the seances, Walter said, Houdini, you goddamn bastard, get the hell out of here and never come back. At another in August of 1926, Walter said, Houdini will be dead within a year. Houdini died just a few months later on Halloween night of 1926. Despite Houdini's exposures and the fact that she didn't win the competition, people still believed in Marjorie and she wasn't really plagued by scandal. After Houdini's death, she kept hosting sittings. Her seances got crazier and crazier, and she started producing ectoplasm, which was this eggy substance that seemed to come from all of her orifices. She also manifested what they called a ghost hand, and it can be seen in photographs. These were later discovered to be made from raw beef. Really gross. Her life kind of went downhill from there. While she kept doing seances through the rest of her life, most people lost interest. She abused alcohol and had violent emotional outbursts. Dr. Crandon died in 1939, and Mina followed at the age of 54 in 1941. She never once fessed up to any of her fraud. This was a very abbreviated version of Mina Crandon's story, and if you'd like to learn more, I highly recommend the book, The Witch of Lime Street. It's an exhaustive look at spiritualism and gives a detailed account of the scientific American competition, and you can find a link to that in the show notes. That's all for today, but join me next week as we say goodbye to Houdini in one final seance.